With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bienvenidos, Americans! It is Mad Mike. We are here. This is a special edition of the Midweek War. It is the Lucha Underground Season 1 wrap-up, or Garza. Bienvenidos a la recapitulación y recuento de los daños de Lucha Underground la primera temporada. Vamos a estar dando los premios a lo que encontramos mejor en el año. Exactly! <laughs> what he said. All right. Garza, I could not have said it better myself. Literally, I could not have said it. Better myself. Alright, well, I am Mad Mike, or the machine called Mad Mike, and with me for this very special episode, of course, Antonio Garza. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. I've been waiting for this show for weeks because I have so many memories, good memories of Lucha on the Ground that I just want to bring them all back. <laughs> exactly. I just finished watching TNA, so Lord knows I need some excitement in my life, and this is perfect. With with us also is Bobby F. J-Town, the man who binge-watched Lucha Underground to catch up with us. Bobby, how are you? I'm great. I love Lucha Underground. I'm tired, though, but I'm here. Excellent. And currently on mute because he's drinking a drink, Matt Carlins, the man the mainstream media. How are you, sir? That's right, direct to you from the Extra Value menu, it's Chalupa Supreme. Great to be here, Mike. I, too, want to celebrate amazing wrestling, so let's do it. Excellent. Okay, now this is going to be a little different from our normal Midweek War podcast. Um, we're going to go a little bit longer, but we're going to have three, today's, distinct categories for Lucha Underground. We are going to have all of us come up with a Match of the Year candidate. We're going to have all of us come up with a Dios mío momento, or an oh my god moment, for those of you who don't speak Spanish, or have never listened to Joey Styles, and we're going to have the MVP of Lucha Underground. Not that MVP, never that MVP, but the most valuable player in Lucha Underground. All right. I'm going to pick randomly. He goes first with the match of the year, and I'm going to pick Bobby F.J. Town. Bobby, what was your match of the year for Lucha Underground Season 1? My match of the year is going to probably... Might, it might surprise some of you guys. It's an earlier of this, in the season match. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with uh, the... The uh, Grave Consequences match between nice. Phoenix and yeah. uh, That that's what really got me into Lucha Underground, like, from the, like, from that match on, I was hooked, I was in, I was locked, you know, it, it, it was such a good match, I, I loved it. Yeah, I know we've had conversations where we said that Grave Consequences kind of where Lucha turned from a good show into a great show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, him ripping his mask like that, and just Throwing him into the casket and just there's there was so many good things in that match. It was amazing. 
I loved it. And, and the fact that it was kind of a setup to make Mil Muertes even stronger. Yeah, yeah. And that's when he had his blue striped pants. He didn't even get him in the black pants yet. Which <laughs> yeah. I marked out for him getting the black pants. That was like one of my big markout moments of wrestling this year. <laughs> I, I, I do remember you actively tweeting about the new pants. From I was like, he needs black pants. I like Memortes, but he needs black pants. Mm-hmm. And then, he got black pants when he came back. It was great. Well, what Our, I remember really, really, really good about this match is that, uh, like, overall, as a, as a casket match, it was the best casket match I've seen. Oh, uh, because we're, we're so accustomed to seeing a casket match where we get a bunch of, like, near-fall type of spots where, oh, my God, he's going to fall in the casket. He's going to close the door. Oh, no, he grabbed the door. And here, no, like, it was just a huge-ass brawl, and then as soon as they open the casket, boom, he goes in, yeah. that's it. And, it was and probably it was, the best casket match I've seen since Taker and Michaels. Yeah, it was a faster-paced casket match. Usually ca- casket matches are so slow and, you know, but this one was, like, fast-paced. There was a lot of action, a lot of good brawling, wrestling. Him throwing him into the casket and denning it was just a thing of beauty. <laughs> mm-hmm. That match also made Phoenix, I guess, in the Revolution Underground. That's, that's a match that took Phoenix to the, a whole new level. Definitely. Yeah, uh, and the promos that came after it, too, were just... Mm-hmm. Like Mil Muertes rising from the grave, and you just see him laying in the casket, and his eyes open up, and they're all white. That whole storyline was like out of a comic book, too. Yeah, they they told a great story throughout the whole thing. All right, uh, Matt, any any comments on the grave consequences before we move on? I think you guys have said it all, but I'm just kind of curious as I'm sitting here, kind of reflecting back on that period. Did we ever get a full explanation of why Katrina kind of? Dumped Phoenix and just rebounded right back to Mil Muertes. Um, yeah, using him. <laughs> yeah, she was using him to give him the, the power the, the of whole, a million lives. A thousand lives. Yeah, yeah, a thousand yeah. lives. Because she had to have Mil Muertes Die. defeated and put into a casket so he could be reborn even stronger. Yeah, it's it's like Mega Man, but like in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to be defeated by someone to gain their powers. That's why they took out Conan to gain the powers for Prince. They could defeat Prince Puma. And he got black pants from it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Just like Mega Man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, Garza, what was your match of the year? Uh, My match of the year is going to go to the Aztec Warfare, which was our Lucha Underground style version of uh, Royal Rumble. Nice. but the eliminations only happen via either pin or submission. That match, I mean, I guess we're so accustomed to a Royal Rumble, just a bunch of people fighting, and we see some eliminations that don't mean anything. But Aztec Warfare actually told several stories. Everyone got their shit in, and even at the end, we had like a what could have been a main event for any other show, and we had it here. So Aztec Warfare. Yeah, wasn't that the first uh, battle between Puma and Muertes, too? Weren't they the last two guys in there? No, I think it was uh, Puma and Phoenix, or Puma and, Mar- and Mundo. Okay. Puma and Mundo. Okay, because yeah, I, I know Mil Muertes was the last guy who came out, right? No, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yes. The first one was Phoenix. Oh, I thought the first one was Puma. Okay, never mind. Never mind. I thought Famous I... was going to win. <laughs> we all thought Famous <laughs> B was going to win, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, but that match was... We didn't know what to expect, too, because they just called mm-hmm. it Aztec Warfare, and we're like, oh, I guess it's just going to be a thing. Like, But it was really, really a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Like, And, and I... the, the fact that every character from Lucha Underground up until that point had been represented into the match, too. Mm-hmm. It was also that first example of Lucha Underground taking this thing that you've seen before and just putting their new name on it. <laughs> like, we're going to do the Royal Rumble. We're going to call it Aztec War- Warfare. And by the end of it, you'll have forgotten it had anything to do with the Royal Rumble before. <laughs> kind of like how they just took the casket match. They rebranded Grave Consequences. You're like, oh, it's they, they made it their own. Somehow they take these tired... Um, stipulations, they found a way to, to kind of, I don't know, just kind of like put it into their universe and yeah. after you're, you've are you gone through it with them, you're just kind of like, no, no, that was nothing like the Royal Rumble. That was, this was completely different. I don't know if that's brainwashing or if that's just me buying in, but um, yeah, it was kind of weird how they were able to do that repeatedly over the entire season. They did that with other matches too. Yeah, I mean, that's the best thing about Lucha Underground is they never insult the audience because they establish the universe where these rules are in effect. Like, if you watch from episode one, you know what kind of world you're getting into where you don't necessarily have the 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 normal tropes of professional wrestling. Like, yeah, it's the um, it's the altered reality. It's the altered tr- perspective that you're not used to getting when you're watching mm-hmm. uh, yeah, pro wrestling, it, and it's. Yeah made Lucha so interesting to watch. Yeah, a lot of it was like watching old 90s Undertaker promos because when then you you were in, you were like, okay, this guy is a literal zombie that doesn't feel pain, and we all accept that and move on with it. Mm-hmm. And Papa Shango is here, and he is, he's a voodoo doctor that can make Ultimate Warrior bleed liquid from his head. Like That's the kind of stuff that Lucha Underground did from episode one and just had us go in with it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I will go next with my match of the year, and I am going to say, All night long, all night! <laughs> because, <laughs> again, they take the Iron Man match. They take mm-hmm. the Iron Man match, something that has not been able to really be done on wrestling television for a long time. They usually have to save that for two pay-per-views. But, they took it and they, like, they didn't put a time limit on it, which I think was very important. They just said it was going to last the entirety of the show. Mm-hmm. So you like, because I remember I was watching it on DVR, and I didn't want to fast forward to see how long I was into the show. Like I actually forced myself to watch the commercials so I didn't know when the finish was coming. And they were able to brawl around the whole arena. Um, Johnny Mundo wrestled like the smartest heel ever. Like he res- he wrestled kind of, he had a similar story kind of like Brock and Angle did in their Iron Man match where Mundo cheated and got a lot of victories right in a row. Yeah. Like he was up 4-1 at one point. I think so. I think you're right, yeah. And then he tried to pull the Bull Dempsey thing and run around the uh, arena. What did he hit him with? Um, Curl bar. Curl yeah. Bar? yeah, he okay. Jason Todd him. 
I was going to say, I, I thought it was a tire iron. I was going to say he pranked him with a tire iron. <laughs> but yeah, like there was so much, and the spear off the uh, the concert stage, mm-hmm. where they both crashed through all the, t- like it was just ridiculous. There were high spots, there was some fun interference with Patron that set up Ultima Lucha. Just so much good stuff in that match. I really, that that was my favorite uh, title defense of Prince Puma, I think. Just because it was so much fun. And the way Puma came back just really solidified him as the champion for me. I remember that crate, too. That looked pretty brutal for being yeah. like a crate. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> and how, uh, um, uh, I also Michelle really thought one the, uh, to the other. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I love the interference from El Patron in that match because it, it's not your typical. Um, good guy wrestler interferes and just kind of mm-hmm. screws a bad guy. Johnny Mundo is on his bike and riding and running from Prince Puma for minutes on end to the point where somebody has to do something and, and mm-hmm. Alberto steps in and he and he does what's right and he brings Johnny Mundo back in where he has to fight the fair fight. It was it was a perfect incident of face interference. I loved it. Yeah, and, and and the best part about it was that it didn't make Johnny look weak. It made him look smart. Mm-hmm. Like it it wasn't like a heel running away from a match. He was winning. He was literally just trying to wear out the clock, which is a solid strategy. Like it's underhanded, but it's a solid strategy. He was in that prevent defense. Yeah, but you know you know prevent defense do- yeah. does Matt. You know it what the prevent defense prevents? Prevents winning. winning. You from winning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it prevents you from winning. All right, uh, Matt Carlins, we said all of ours will be your match I'm of the glad, year. Underground. I'm glad you didn't take mine. Uh, my favorite match of the year from season one of Lucha Underground had to have been the trios championship match between um, Son of Havoc and Ivalice and Angelico versus the crew. And... Just amazing, and not just because Angelico tried to kill himself by jumping off the roof of Tario's office, <laughs> which was well, it was basically the craziest, one of the craziest things we've seen in professional wrestling for a long time, at least mainstream televised professional wrestling. Boy, but I mean, for me, I mean, like the storytelling of that that team throughout the season, from about and even from like the very beginning of the season, where where Son of Havoc starts the season as just the biggest loser. You've ever seen in your life. He can't beat anybody. He can't beat anybody. He can't beat um, Angelico. And then Ivalice beat Angelico. Right. And like, that was how their whole story started. So Son of Havoc is a loser. Ivalice is just the meanest woman on the face of the earth. And Angelico is, I don't know, a horny motocross rider. I'm not sure who he was when he came in. No, that's Listen, accurate. That's accurate. I'm the only person who thought this. The first time I saw Angelico, who is this skinny geek? Get him off my TV. But damn it. He won everybody over. He just won us over. He basically won over everyone watching Lucha Underground in that one moment where he jumped off Dario's office. But getting back to the original point, just like seeing the evolution of the team, the team that hates one another, again, the most tired of professional wrestling tropes, the tag team partners who hate one another, Taken to the next level. Now, trios partners who hate one another. Um, and then to see them reach the point where 
that relationship, even after they won those titles, there's still that tension between them until finally towards the end of the... When you get to the very end of the season, even though they don't have the titles anymore, it's almost like they've gained that extra thing because now they're... They really feel like a real team by the end of the season, even, even though they've lost. It's almost like they had to lose to mm-hmm. truly become a team. And at the end of the season, you know... Son of Havoc is like, we're going to get those titles back. And then Evil East drives him away on her, on her hog. I was so. going to say, and Son of Havoc still sitting in bitch on the bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Helico has a dirt bike, of course. Yeah, of course! So oh, he was bike. just a horny motocross guy. <laughs> so good, though. Thought- a, a, a lot of guys on, on Lucha Underground that I, I never seen before in my life. And Helico is definitely one of those guys that, that just jumped off the screen at, at that point and just like I can't I cannot believe and from then on he was on fire. Just so much confidence um going on from there. Alright, so I feel we need to have maybe an honorable mention match because all four of us have talked about amazing matches. Not one of us said anything from Ultima Lucha. <laughs> Which shows you the strength the strength of the season. It might be coming up later. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Um, but I mean, this just Ultima Lucha, just in general, mm-hmm. th- like if you watch it as a full three-hour show, like it was intended, probably the best pay-per-view of the year. Any any arguments on that one? I I don't I don't think so. Um, Wrestle Kingdom Nine wants to debate that with you, but Ultima Lucha was amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, I I take Ultima Lucha over Wrestle Kingdom Nine, personal preference. But I mean, Ultima, Ultima Lucha. There was only really one bad match, and that was due to an injury. So. All right. So now that we've gotten our favorite matches out of the way. It's time we go to our Dios mios momentos. So we will start with Ciro. What is your oh my god moment from Lucha Underground season one? Uh, um, well, since we just talked about the Angelico jump, I'm gonna I gotta twist it up and go somewhere else. And I'm gonna say that moment after the show was pretty much over, uh, a striker and Vampire just like signing off, and then out of nowhere, Pentagon Junior. Kicks the shit out of Vampiro and tries to burn him alive. That was just like, holy fuck, shit's getting real between these two guys. That's right. That's, that's, my, that's my Dios mío, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, when he pulled out the lighter fluid. He was like, a little on fire. <laughs> oh, man. Lucha got really good at that, Mike. You, you coined it kind of like the Marvel the Marvel movie moment where they would get you right to the end and you're watching the, the credits and then they'd give you just that one extra thing yeah. to the mm-hmm. point where if you're, you know, if you're like a normal person, when you see the credits on a show, you're kind of like, I'm done. I turned this off. You don't do that with Lurch Underground. Mm-hmm. You watch it until you see like the, uh, the United artists thing at the very, very end yep. that tells you, yes, you're done. You may turn this off now. See, the funny thing is the first week of Lucha, I turned it off after the last match. I didn't see the little Marvel movie moment. Then uh, this one podcast I listened to, they were reviewing Lucha, and they talked about the end scene. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't remember seeing that. So I went back to my DVR, and I started watching it 
you know, from the end of the mat, the last match on, I was like, oh, oh, they're learning things from Marvel. Oh, this is gonna be fun <laughs> because it's perfect. Because it was always a story driver for the next week. Mm-hmm. Because they filmed mm-hmm. everything. Because everything was in the can for them, pretty much. They used their their behind the scenes stuff. They used the backstage segments to drive the narrative better than any wrestling show I think has done in years. Like not since the Attitude Era has backstage segments been used this this well. I, I would you love to say, see someone else. You could say they have they advanced the backstage segment to places it's never been before in professional wrestling before. Mm-hmm. It, it, it you and it's hard to say like long term how we'll view this change. Like, is this just like a footnote, or is this the start of something? Is this just a is this just a passing wave, or are we just are, are we getting ready to ride it? And is it, and will other companies kind of follow this lead? And take this cinematic approach to their to their storytelling. Um, it worked great for Lucha. I don't know if it would work for other companies. I don't know. If, I don't know if it could ever work for WWE. It's too WWE big. The, the creative for WWE is is way too liquid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's always in motion. Well, they fly by the seat of their pants. They don't have time to like shoot cinematically. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's week to week to week to week to week to. I th- I think it could work in NXT. Yeah. I think it could work in NXT because it's all very self-contained down there at the performance center. Like, I mean, we already see we've already seen a little bit of it with of all people Bull Dempsey. I mean, it's not it's not shot as well, obviously. It's still shot like WWE stuff, but his story has not been in the ring. It started with the one match in the ring where Tyler Breeze literally ran him out of the ring. And then everything else from then on has been a backstage segment with William Regal or, like, the Bullfit promo or the training montage. Like, that's kind, that has kind of been his story. And I think, I, I think they're taking a cue from Lucha in doing that. Maybe. Um, it'll be interesting to see if... It'll be interesting to see if someone tries to take that lucha approach and tries to twist that perspective, twist that reality on professional wrestling uh, going forward. Yeah, I don't know if we'll be able to get the full reality twisting like lucha does, where lucha's actually able to kill people, uh, <laughs> which we may get to. Uh, <laughs> but right. I, I think, I think, okay, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think we could get to a point where we can have more organic backstage segments. I think we can get to that. Alright, so, uh, Matt Carlins, what was your Dios Mio moment? Um, I actually just thought about this one uh, recently as I was watching the 37-minute um, recap of the entire season of Lucha Underground, which is incredible. Go find it and watch it if you have yourself a half an hour or so to watch it. Um, I think it was the second episode of Lucha Underground where Chavo Carrero brains Sexy Star in the head with a steel chair. And that was kind of like that moment. Like, okay, I watched the first episode of Lucha Underground. I'm like, okay, this is really different. This is interesting. I I will watch it again. But when Chavo knocks out Sexy Star with a steel chair to the head, I'm like, okay, this this show has made it very clear. We are going places that no one else is willing to go. 
That was I, the message yeah. that was sent in that moment. And the violence against women continued from there. <laughs> Mike, you know it's something I really like to talk about on this podcast from time to time. Oh, and um, I totally it, it, forgot it about was, that. It was a truly shocking moment and pretty incredible that in this day and age we've reached a point where um, hitting someone in the head with a steel chair is shocking again. Um, let alone a woman. Yeah, that was pretty shocking. I totally forgot about that completely, but yeah. yeah I, I remember like exactly your reaction, like, oh, okay, it's that kind of show. Like, they, <laughs> yeah, exactly. they made us care about Chavo Guerrero for the first time since, and I'm sorry to say this, Eddie died. <laughs> like, I mean, it sounds harsh, but it's true. It's the first time I think any of us cared about Chavo since, you know, 2008. And don't you think, I mean, that was kind of big for... Not necessarily. It's never big when you get hit in the head with a steel chair. That's never good. But but for getting people on the side of sexy star, I think we can all say that like when you're watching a sexy star match, you're kind of like, yes, I want to see sexy star kick this guy's ass because it kind of like gave you just enough sympathy and not that cheap sympathy. You know, it was earned. Um, it was the same sympathy you would have felt for any male wrestler. You know, mm-hmm. that was a cheap shot. Let's get him. Absolutely, and especially she was probably one of the most underdog competitors in all of season one. So that that was a great setup for all of her moments yet to come. Yeah. Uh, how, how about you, Bobby? What was your Dios mio moment? I'm gonna um, piggyback on what what Sarah said and uh, mention about the Vampiro reveal of him being the master. Ah, nice. Because oh, <laughs> I was sitting, like, I think one episode of Mayhem Show, I was like, what if it's Vampiro? <laughs> and I, I was like, I'm like, oh my god, I was right! I was so happy, but yeah, that was like, that's amazing. That whole match was amazing. It was, it was second to, the other one is my favorite match of the year, I think. Um, because it wasn't just a hardcore match. Like, mm-hmm. like everybody that talked about that match didn't say that it was just a hardcore match, how hardcore matches are passe. It was a match that told a story. Like, it was it was, it was, was what that match needed. Like, how violent it was, how, how yeah. these, these guys were, like, you know, now that going through, like, he was just trying to teach him to be, to go to that dark place that he was going to, you know? And, and like, they used light bulbs and, and anything you can imagine. And Vampiro was literally rolling around on fire there for a couple seconds. Yeah, like yeah, like it wasn't one of those bullshit WWE fires where as soon as you go through, the fire's already out. Like he was on fire. Yeah. <laughs> and like, no, and like even the the table, like it wasn't that a little alcohol type of fluid. Yeah, but it was straight up gasoline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I think in WWE they use like vodka. They use yeah. like vodka, so the flame burns bright but then goes away really quickly. But yeah, in Lucha, they just use straight-up lighter fluid. <laughs> that was just straight-up and down lighter fluid. <laughs> um, but the, another part of that match I like was when uh, he told Vampiro, when he beat Vampiro, and Vampiro's like, break my arm! <laughs> he just looks at him and goes, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you, know, you know what's the best thing about the match? When Vampiro does the senton and falls on the thumbtacks, just it sounds like, Fuck! <laughs> 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 oh, 
Oh man, so many good. Ah, uh, I was gonna say about the um, the the uh, team of Angelico, Son of Havoc, and Eve at least winning the titles. But since we've already covered that, that was like a given. Well, no, no, it wasn't for me. No, 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 it was yeah. not for me. For the Dios mio moment. Oh yeah. Well, well, the thing about that was, um, I had looked up because I wanted to see who uh, Killshot was, and I saw on Wikipedia that the that um, and Helico, Son of Havoc, and Ivelisse had beaten them. So I thought I spoiled myself for the trio's titles. Then after that, the crew came in. And I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't even know. So that was fun. But I think I'm going to say my Dios Mio moment. Dario Cueto revealing the gift of the gods. Just, I you getting... Ladder match! No, no, no. no. Dario Cueto revealing the gift of the gods. Because he had been talking about the, the Aztec medallions for months. No one knew what they looked like. No one knew what they represented. And then he finally came out with a huge belt, and said, okay, these are essentially Dragon Balls for a world title, and I'm your motherfucking Shenron. And I lost my damn mind. Like, everyone comes out, they magnetically put the me the medallions into the belt. No, magnets, that was magic. Okay, they magically put the medallions into the belt, everyone's standing there, you got... You got Bengala and Aerostar standing together. Uh, the mighty Bengala. The mighty Bengal, excuse me. They look, they look like bootleg Power Rangers. Like, ah, oh, everything about it was just so good. And th they took the concept of Money in the Bank, and not only did they improve on it, they made me actively excited for it because, as Dario said, it's not a cash-in. It's right. an opportunity. You have to let me promote this shit. And that's perfect. That is perfect. That was definitely one of my favorite Dario moments of the year when he took that subtle cheap shot at Money in the Bank. Just such a oh, it was kind of it wasn't even subtle. Just poking the bear just one time. You know what else is kind of funny is because the the thing with the medallions is that this had come after they had done the best of five series with Drago and Aerostar mm -hmm. for the unique opportunity, which turned out to be you're screwed, Drago. Um, <laughs> So, as they're collecting these medallions, I'm like, these guys could be fighting over, like, a coin machine for their, like, dunking them into an electrified bale of water, for all I know. You don't know what these things are. <laughs> just know you not trust that man, well, Dario Quinn. Well, that, that match, wasn't, that wasn't even for a medallion. That was just for a shot at Prince Puma. I know it was just for a yeah. shot. I, I get, my, my point is that Dario Cueto's vague descriptions of... If you win, you'll get something. <laughs> I'm not telling you if it will be good or bad. So here's it'll something be else. Unique. Here, fight over these medallions. I'll tell you what they do later. And I'm like, what if you explode? What What if you... I mean, the rules are out the window, right? In Lucha Underground, you could... Well, I don't know. Anything could happen. You could turn into the coin. You could just poof. You know? <laughs> All right. I don't know. <laughs> well, before we, get to our, before we get to our MVPs... I, I think there's an aspect of Lucha Underground that we haven't really touched upon. I'm sorry for springing this on you guys. Best, best, best backstage segment. There's a lot to choose from. Uh, since I'm springing it, I'll go first with mine. 
I'm gonna say the scene where um, Katrina showed up to uh, provoke uh, Angelico, Son of Havoc, and Ivalice, and <laughs> disappeared to a point where you got a full-on sitcom moment where Ivalice fell on top of Son of Havoc, and Angelico standing in the doorway like, "Not this again!" <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just perfectly encapsulating their entire storyline. And it was just fantastic. Alright. Uh, oh, I'll take it from here, Mike. Okay, Matt. My favorite backstage segment. And I'm glad you've done this category because I did want to mention this. Yeah, is, I just realized, like, we're talking a lot about the in-ring. We have not talked about backstage, which makes a little and, and it does deserve its own set yeah. of mentions. Um, Alberto El Patron's first formal sit-down in Dario's office. Not the tease oh, yeah. from the previous episode, but that moment when he's in the office at the beginning of the following episode, and he politely asks Dario, that's a nice key. What is it open? And Dario pulls the mother of all no-cells on this question and proceeds to the next thing he was going to talk about, and we were just all left sitting there. Yes, what does the key open? Because <laughs> I think we were all still in the dark on that by at that oh, point. At this point, we're kind of still in the dark about it. Let's well, be we honest. Know, we know it opened Matanza's cage. Okay, that, that was that by, was clear. By the way, I, I don't know if I said this on here. I really hope Matanza's just El Torito. <laughs> like, it's just a midget wrestler in a leather animal mask that motherfucking murders people. <laughs> so does Matanza. His eyes. eyes. Like a T-Rex. Oh look, he's so cute! Yeah, he's like he's like a mogwai. Oh my god, he's like a mogwai. Well, let's let's not get carried away. Oh, um, that'd be so good. That's why you can't feed him after midnight. Money plays on. All right, Bobby, sir, either you have your favorite backstage segment yet? Yeah, one. Um, All right, Bobby. Katrina once again appearing to Dario Cueto in his office, scaring the living shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun. The one where she, like, just put him in an armbar and slammed him down on his own desk. And then she disappears, and he's like, what? What? What happened? And, and Dario was like, oh, I, I, I didn't know Mill wanted a title shot. I didn't know. He could have one. It's fine. We're good. We're golden. We got this. She disappears, and the look on Dario's face is like, how much cocaine did I smoke yes. today? <laughs> 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 Oh, God. Oh, man. How about you, Sierra? Uh, I'm, try- I'm trying to think of the greatest hits from Dario Cueto, but uh, I think I'm going to go where they, when they started doing vignettes for Conan coming back. Mm. Like, he was, like, in a warehouse, and it was raining, and I was like, oh, yeah. shit. They just took this old broken man and made him a badass. Mm-hmm. He draw a line with his cane in the water. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> It's just beautiful. <laughs> oh man, and, and, and these are just the tip of the iceberg, you guys. If you haven't watched Lucha Underground, what the fuck are you waiting for? Find what it online. Watch Lucha Underground. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> turn this off right away and find Lucha Underground. Just <laughs> start watching watch it. this. Watch this quickly before we spoil it for you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we got the views already. They can turn it off. No. <laughs> 
So no, it's like, all about that duration, Mike. Yeah, that's true. That's well, <laughs> he would. Um, yeah. uh, but I mean, you also got Drago showing up like Batman and flying away. All of the end segments from Ultima Lucha, just all of them. Mm-hmm. Everything. There was this epic vignette uh, when Cage first showed up. Where he beats up like ten people <laughs> in some oh, parking yeah. lot, and someone smashes a beer bottle over his head, and it does nothing. Anytime, anytime they did a Mortal Kombat segment, any anytime they did like a Mortal Kombat opening segment for a vignette, like Drago had his nunchucks, Pentagon Junior was in the Japanese temple, which now I guess is in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Just all of those kinds of things, they're ridiculous. Alright, so guys, are you ready? Yeah. It's time yeah. for all of us to declare our MVP of Lucha Underground. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Alright, Garza. Who is your MVP for Season 1 of Lucha Underground? My most valuable uh, luchador for Season 1 is... Pentagon Jr. Nice. Yeah. I think uh, from the start of the show, we, we knew that Mil Mortis, the principal mod, Mundo, were going to be like the top stars. We knew that Alberto is a top star by itself. But, like, these three guys, Phoenix, um, Drago, and Pentagon Jr., they debuted it. And I'm not sure if they, like, they thought they were gonna become so huge, but they did. And Pentagon Jr. particularly, like, went from being just like some rudo to becoming like what I believe is the top heel, or at least the most loved heel in the promotion. Yeah, I was gonna I, say I don't even know if he ends up a heel. I mean, he is, but he he got to a point of so much awesomeness that. He didn't even give a shit about medallions. He was yeah. just like, I'm a bad guy and I'm going to hurt motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> Break on. And, and, yeah, and something that, that I noticed really like particular about Pentagon Jr., if you see the if you see the whole season of Lucha Underground, there's not many guys that were trusted to talk in the ring. Not That's many true. guys do promos in the ring. Probably just Alberto, uh, I don't know, maybe Conan... And Pentagon Jr. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that was so good at his delivery that they trusted to do a live promo inside mm-hmm. the ring. And that's like props to him. Even if they were Spanish, but props to well, him. Yeah, but and then the fact that his promo was all in Spanish too, like that is something you would not see on a normal wrestling show or a normal wrestling channel. Like and it worked too. Like because it's subtitled, you gotta pay attention. Yep. You have to read his promo and get what he's getting at. You, you want some trivia on this? Absolutely. Uh, when they were taping Lucha Underground, they always did two tapings for each certain segment. So, for instance, if Melissa introduced someone in English, then she would do them in Spanish. Uh, similar with promos. Whoever could, could talk both languages would just do both promos. If not, uh, the Spanish version of the show has like Mundo's and Alberto's, uh, oh Mundo's particularly, uh, subtitle, and the rest of the guys would just do in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So oh, there's another really version cool. of yeah, there's another version of Lucha Underground out there, yeah, just in Spanish. You know, on Telemundo. 
Yeah, it's uh, Unimas or something. Yeah, yeah, Unimas, yeah, on Saturdays. Because I, I tried to watch it, and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> then I, I caught up then. And I think one of the announcers is Ugo Savinovich yeah. from WWE. Yeah. I don't know who the other guy is. Yeah, uh, I, I, I thought Vampiro was doing color for both Spanish and English. Probably. probably. Oh, yeah, actually, he probably is. Which makes you wonder if they did the Pentagon angle with Hugo sitting there. They do that twice? Nah, I don't no, think so. I, don't. <laughs> I, don't. I wonder. Yeah. Uh, Very interesting. Right. Like a parallel okay. universe. So, Pentagon, of course. Excellent choice. Yeah. Um, Bobby, who is your MVP of Lucha Underground? Is it Melissa Santos? Well, it, she's the MVP of my heart. Okay. <laughs> it's a toss up between two. I can't. Uh, I'm trying to. Do you, do you want us to come back to you, Bobby? Come back to me. Okay. Matt. One and then I can switch to the other one. All right, Matt, who is your MVP of Lucha Underground Season 1? Um, do you want me to go with the obvious answer, or do you want me to pick a wrestler? Uh. <laughs> I have I have two non wrestlers in my head and one wrestler, so you go with whoever you That's want. That's pretty bold. Who, who Everybody knows the right answer, so I'll just give a different answer just for the sake of being different. Um, because I feel like I feel like it's worth mentioning um, as far as someone who should at least be considered for the MVP of Lucha Underground. Uh, and it may sound stupid or obvious, but Prince Puma. Okay. I mean, here's a guy. Who was brought from nowhere? No one, I mean, no one, no one in the states really knew who this guy was, right? No one knew who Ricochet was. Um, they took this unproven, at least on a on a big, nationally televised professional wrestling promotion, and they made him the guy. And granted, he never talked, and Conan did the talking for him. But you know what? He delivered in the ring. He was wrestling under a mask. Something I can only assume that he is done on very rare occasion because I've never seen him wrestling in a match anywhere else in my life. And I know that could be a tough transition for wrestlers. And he did it. And he conveyed emotion through the mask. And he had freaking badass matches with all sorts of guys. And he was the champion, the centerpiece of Lucha Underground for the entire season. So he was big props to Prince Puma. He was Juan Cena through the whole thing. <laughs> it's Juan Cena! <laughs> No, but he, he kind of wrestled like like uh, Lucha 97 Shawn Michaels. Like, he adapted to everybody's style. Like, he had matches with Big Rick, he had matches with Cage, and then Mundo, and Huertes, like, and Chavo, even. Like, he yeah, could wrestle Phoenix all and those... Hernandez. And Phoenix, of course, yeah. Phoenix and Hernandez, and he wrestled all kinds of matches, all kinds of different opponents, and he was fantastic. Like, so... Because I that's, love, that's a I choice love you his... have to make. That's a choice you have to make to make him your your champion for basically the entire season. And they could have taken, they could have gone the easy road. And they could have said, "We're going to take Johnny Mundo, and he's yep. going to be our guy." Mm-hmm. And maybe that would have worked. But there was just something about the fact that they never leaned on those established guys. They never leaned on Johnny Mundo for too long. They never leaned on Alberto for too long. They were always going with, you know, what we're going with our guys. And Prince Puma was the, the head of that class. He was their guy. And you know what? His his matches with Cage, I'll take those mm-hmm. all day, baby. Those were great. Yeah, I mean, if you told me 
three years ago that I would be salivating for a match between Ricochet, Ricochet and Judas Macias, I would have kicked you in the dick. <laughs> I would have kicked you square in the dick. But here we are, and it was fantastic. And just as a little bit of an aside, Rick Ricochet is obviously back to doing his, his old thing. And uh, he's been back over at New Japan, and he was at the G1 Climax, and he wrestled Kushida for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. And I was couldn't wait, and I wanted to watch it. And you know what? It wasn't the same. It wasn't <laughs> Prince Puma. It was just, I don't know. And, and no, I, it's and, and different. And I, and I hope Ricochet can just go on to even bigger and better things. So I think he is just phenomenal, uh, especially in the ring. Um, but it was just weird to me that, like, I went – and maybe it was my fault. I sat down hoping to see Prince Puma. I got Ricochet instead, and I left disappointed. So what can I say? <laughs> All right, Bobby, have you, have you settled on MVP, or would you like me to go? Yeah. Okay. Um. I, I know who Matt was trying to debate saying, and I'm. But you know what? I think it's interesting that you said you had two non wrestlers in I mind. I did. Because believe me, I had two non wrestlers in mind. I'm going to tell you who my second non wrestler is, and you guys are going to be a little surprised. Well, let's not steal Bobby's idea, Mike. Let's just let's just do our one here. Bobby is. Are the two guys you thinking of wrestlers? Uh, yeah, both of them are. Okay, so this won't spoil Bobby's. Okay. Um, my my secondary MVP. Is Matt goddamn striker? Oh yeah, very good. Matt striker. Um, I'm not. I wasn't a huge fan of his commentary style in WWE. When he started, it gave me a sore throat to listen to him. Yeah, exactly. He got a yeah, gravelly voice, and then he got the hang of it after a while, and then he became really good. Mm -hmm. Well, came up at Bureau when they started, they were bad. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I mean, by the end of the show, they're just they're part of flavor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and. Yeah. And they brought like Matt Stryker kept you in the world. Mm -hmm. He kept you in the environment that you needed to be to watch Lucha Underground. Like he like granted, it may not be the most technical commentary. Sometimes he got a lot of things wrong, but god damn it, he kept you involved. He was like you know times too with those little trivia things. Yeah. Putting them in. And, and you know what? Now, now Stryker's got his signature calls now too, which I can't recall him ever having in WWE. Now, if everyone does a nice, does a cool move, it's nicely done. Mm -hmm. that, and and whenever someone goes over the top rope, it's just, you know, that's <laughs> will always be what I take away from Stryker as a Lucha Underground commentator. And the fact yeah. that poor Stryker never found out what happened to Bale. I, Kind of feel sorry for him. <laughs> one day I'm like, what? Wonder where Bale's been, Vampiro. Just so. I hope, I hope season two of Lucha Underground is just Matt Stryker going full CSI and trying to figure out whatever happened to Bale. What happened to Bale? An in memoriam segment on this. Like, like he, br like he brings in the fourth Baldwin brother and they try and track down what happened to Bale. They search the old remnants of the temple. But I mean, it was it was so perfect. It's so perfect for that world because, of course, Stryker has no clue what's happening backstage. Mm -hmm. He's not in Dario's office. Only we, the omnipotent viewers, are are have any understanding of everything that's going on. Stryker remains confined to his corner of the world. It's just so like, perfect. And Stryker, Stryker doesn't know there's a monster downstairs. Yeah. Stryker has no idea. 
Stryker didn't even know. know. Sent Stryker down to the basement to get like a can of beans or something like that. <laughs> and Stryker just goes in the wrong door. And, oh my! You know. Stryker didn't even know why Chavo and Blue Demon were on the same side. He sure as hell isn't going to know why there's a monster in the basement <laughs> eating motherfuckers. But um, as we all know, the real MVP is our owner and our proprietor, Dario Cueto, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my god, the best authority figure, I'm going to say in the history of wrestling. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he's better than Mr. McMahon. I can't go yeah. that far. I can't, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it because Mr. McMahon waned as the years went on. Right now, Dario is new and wane, fresh, and he hasn't you, gotten horrible for me. You, all you've got to go on right now is them at their peak. So you must consider every authority figure in the history of professional wrestling in their prime, at their peak. Okay. Um. And at his peak, Mr. McMahon was freaking aces, man. Okay. All right, that's true. Dario's all right, all right. amazing. Okay, so maybe not better than Mr. McMahon, but pretty damn close. I'm par with him. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 it's comparable. Comparable. I'll say it's, comparable. Something, something interesting about Dario that, that kind of helps him a lot is his motivations are never entirely clear. He's never just that. He's never just straight up. Uh, evil, you know, mustache twirling. You're kind of like, well, no, that's basically what he's going for. I beg to differ. I think his motivations are always very, very clear. He money. wants money, money, money violence. That's yeah. it. That's it. Money it's violence. not even. It's not even best for business. It's best for Dario. <laughs> it's whatever will make him the most money. Like, do you know why he did the gift to the gods? Not to shove it in WWE's face. He wants to promote the match. He wants to promote the match. He doesn't want to be blindsided by any of these little fucking tool wrestlers running around his temple. No, he wants to be able to make money and cash in off of that. He's the one cashing in, not Phoenix. <laughs> He's the one making the bank. When he left the temple, he made sure he packed up all the money in his suitcase before he left. <laughs> like he brought in Johnny Mundo and said, "All right, Johnny, um, if you're gonna wrestle for me, you know what? I'll just throw a hundred thousand dollars in the air, and we'll yeah. see who wants it more." Like mm -hmm. that's how much of a dick he is. He's like, "You know what? You guys are gonna fight for my money. It's fine." And I love how when another money guy comes in, um, Davari, like. <laughs> Like, Dario Cueto doesn't want anything to do with him and looks at him like he's low class, even though Davari is shelling out money for protection from Big Rick. Like, Dario interacted with everyone on the roster and was able, like, he even. Part of the moss. Yeah, like, he took a Jack Evans and the Mighty Bengala match and said, listen, none of you guys have impressed us, so you know what? I'm going to make it interesting because obviously you fuckers can't. You're fighting for a medallion. <laughs> I'll tell you what it does later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, they give you immortality or some cryptic bullshit, whatever that means. Like, it, it's just perfect. I, I guess, and, and he does not care about the safety of his wrestlers. That, <laughs> that is for damn sure. Like, I he's like, oh, his reaction when Johnny Mundo got thrown through his window 
Or no, when uh, Del Rio, oh, when El Patron, yeah. El Patron got thrown through his window, it was just like, oh, that's a shame. I, I have to call you back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was perfect. Like Dario Cueto made that ship run, and he controlled all the backstage segments for the most part. He drove the narrative, and and he's the last thing we see as Lucha Underground season one closes. It's and, fantastic. Yeah. And listen, for all we know. A complete novice at the world of professional wrestling. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm absolutely he was just sure. Normal actor. Like he's probably just someone that was an extra in From Dust Till Dawn, and we don't even know <laughs> about it. And he just knew Robert Rodriguez, and he was like, "Hey, you'd be good for this part. We'll bring you in. Don't worry. Nah, you don't yeah, have to be a dick the whole time." You just yeah, have but, let, let, let me let me split movie. this off because I want to I want to ask a question about about this and and this goes back to whether Lucha Underground will ever have will have like a real lasting effect on professional wrestling as a as a whole. Um, Lucha Underground hired an actor to play their authority figure. It worked out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, in a similar vein, WWE hired an actress to play Lana. Right? Mm-hmm. Not a wrestler. They hired an actress. And that worked out pretty good, pretty amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So is this is this a sign? Because I know we've seen wrestling companies, wink, wink, TNA, try to hire actors and actresses before, and it has blown up in their faces. But do you think this is a – is this something that you think professional wrestling companies need to look at and be like, you know, maybe we need to get a, a trained, skilled actor or actress to play X role, Y role? John Stewart! <clears throat> John Stewart! <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. I have a daily show in my throat. Um, I, I think it's something that they could definitely do, Matt. I, I think it's something that they should do. Because remember, remember, the only time we enjoyed Shelton Benjamin was when he had his mama. A yeah. I wouldn't no. say that's the only time. No. All right, okay, hold on, hold on. Give me one other singles moment from Shelton Benjamin. When he was in Money in the Bank. He stole the show in that all the time. Yeah, he was, when he, uh, and he always won. Raw, he beat Triple H on this first one. That was pretty good. Triple H. Let's let the other boys answer. I want to hear what the other boys say. Bobby. All right. Since Mike gave two, his runner-up and is his MVP. I'm gonna do the same. Runner-up is Drago. Mm-hmm. Just because he became like one of my favorites, like from like nothing to. Like one of my favorite luchadors. I love the tongue, the the, the cool <laughs> the cool tongue he had. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the wings were a bit to be desired, but he was bad. He made it cool. He made it work. Uh, and then him him like leaving in a ball of fire at the end, and when he left the first time, and then when he came back as Batman. Drago <laughs> <laughs> Night Rises. Yeah. Uh, but my, I gotta give it to Mil Mortes. I mean, hands down my favorite yeah. all season. Just, just the best. <laughs> the black pants. <laughs> black mask. Black pants and a black mask, and and anybody that can rock a a, a business suit and, and a luchador mask, that is like one of my favorite looks of anything. Like, it's awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah, props to yeah. him. Yeah, no, and, Bobby. And, if I if I was gonna say a wrestler, it would have been more at this too. Yeah, and and Katrina too. She she's part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I mean, they they did have not, electric skeleton ninjas at their yeah, table, not so much so. the putties from Power Rangers. <laughs> the putties. You know what? At, when they debuted their final masks, I was yeah, like, those were Damn, cool. That's fucking sick. Yeah, the 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 the, the, uh, the final versions of death. Yeah, were cool. But yeah. the, when they first came out, I was like, mm, really? <laughs> they they look like the Court of Owls from Batman, which. And they were fighting Drago, so that made it even better for me. I'm like, oh, okay. I actually thought for a minute, like, that Mil Mortez could split himself into three individual people <laughs> as, like, a trio's team, and then form back together as Mil Mortez. <laughs> so you like, thought Mil Mortez that. was Voltron? I suspended my, my belief, and <laughs> I thought that could actually happen. I was like... I actually thought I was going to ask one night. I was like, do you guys think that Mil Muertes is actually those three? And Katrina can, like, split them in half? Or in three three parts? You see, all... this is what watching Lucha Underground does to you. It makes you think yeah, anything is possible. Is it, like, one of them isn't, wasn't one of them, like, Arhenis? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Arhenis? and I think one of them actually was Bale, too. No. <laughs> oh, no, it's Arhenis. <laughs> It's Ricky Mandel, and it's El Mariachi Loco. Oh, all right. It's, it's those three. Uh, but oh, yeah. so Mariachi Loco is a champion right now. <laughs> oh, he doesn't have to Stuck work with this anymore. Famous. Ah, I, I got a question for you guys. Uh, a quick also round. What's your wish list for season two? Oh, fuck me. Uh. What's something in well, your first wish of all? I two? wish that there is a season two. Yeah. Like right yeah, now, I guess that's my my case. <laughs> Um. All right. Well, I have mine. If you guys need to think. Yeah. I got mine too, but you can go. I I wish for, for season one on DVD as soon yeah. as possible. <laughs> or what Netflix. A boatload of extras. Oh my god! I, just Netflix. I, Netflix for me, so I can binge the fuck yes. out of it. I I want it in a nice case. I wanted to put it on my shelf next to my Benoit DVD. Oh, and I just want to just look at it sometimes, you know, like like a book, you know, just be like, yes, I watched that. Put it in front of the Benoit DVD. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So, so my actual wish for season two, um, I need Marty the Moth to go full Psycho Killer. <laughs> I, they they teased it. They teased it already. Um. But Mar- Marty the Moth, like, as soon as he came on, I, l- I liked the guy Martin from Tough Enough. Like, I thought he was I thought he was going to be something really fun. And him coming out as Marty the Moth and just being lecherous behind Melissa Santos and eventually, like, not winning a single thing in Lucha Underground. He lost every single match, every segment he was in. I think he's the only guy who had two chances for a medallion. Um, And then... Kidnapping Sexy Star, wrapping her in a rope cocoon, and saying he has a sister. Yeah, I wonder whose sister is. It if it's like Mercedes Martinez or something like like I just, I want another insect themed. She can hang upside down like a bat. This is like a or, moth. Or you know um, oh fuck, what's her name? From the chick who was in LAX, Shelly Martinez. That's, yeah, that's another what, way to go. Yeah, that's what I mean. She can hang upside yeah. down like a moth or a yeah. bat. Whatever. I, oh my god! Just pl- and he was playing with a light bulb like Killer Moth from Batman. He still doesn't know how moths' wings work. Like, 
I just want more from Mario the Moth. I want him to be like the dark horse of season two. Well, I, want, I want that to happen. <laughs> can we have more Mordecai, please? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> we can have Mordecai. <laughs> Alright, uh, who, who has another wish for season two? Uh, I want to see, um, I, I want more Cage. I want Cage higher up the card. I, I, I want to be allowed to cheer for Cage, even though I don't think that's a possibility. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the last, he, he, did, he, did, curb, that way. <laughs> he did curb some of the Mac onto uh, Cinderblock, so. Yes, he's, he pretty he pretty much embraces his evil ways. Um, yeah, it, one of the things I, I one of my small, tiny complaints about Lucha coming down the home stretch was that I felt like Cage was kind of like pushed to the side too much. I wanted to see more of him because I think he's just awesome. Okay, Bobby. Um, if you don't have one, we can go to Sierra because I think he has. Go, one. Yeah, go to Sierra. He has one. Okay, Sierra. Okay, so I so I guess if there's season two, we're eventually gonna start seeing a bunch of wars between families. Mm-hmm. But I, I want that at some point they make emphasis on the fact that a Spaniard, Dario Cueto, is stealing Aztec gold, and that is pissing everyone off. <laughs> <laughs> you know who they? You know who could be really pissed off about that? And they can bring this shit all the way back to ancient Aztec time. Um, Cortez. Well, no, that's it's perfect that Cortez works for Dario. Yeah. Oh god. Oh man. Spaniards versus Mexicans. Do it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I also want like a Game of Thrones opening where you see like the house, the house Cueto, the house, the house Guerrero, like the house Blue Demon, the house Dragon Azteca with one guy with a big X through his head. <laughs> oh, poor guy. <laughs> Like I think we need something like that too. I think that'd be great. All right, Bobby. I kind of, I kind of want to see. I know they shouldn't. I want to see a women's title. Like, okay. I, wa- I want them to have more women wrestling on the show too. Like, it's cool that you have like sexy star taking on the men. Uh, I kind of want like Evelise and Melina now, even though I don't really care for Melina. Y'all know my history with her. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe get like a Shelly Martinez in there as uh, Marty the Moth's sister, because uh, WWE's doing like women's wrestling right now. It's it's getting bigger. Uh, I think that would be a good thing. Uh, so that'd be my wish. I think. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely a way they could go since they have like the main belt, the mid card belt, and the tag team belt. So. Also, what's the significance of uh, Dario Cueto's bull? That he went back to get it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that oh, was and, weird, wasn't and it? And one other wish. Matanza in the ring. Yeah. At this point, I don't care who it is. Matanza I just need Wait, okay, so Matanza versus who do, who do you guys think Matanza is? Or who do you think would work as Matanza at this point? Realistically, no more Goldberg. No, I, I I'm I desperately want that, but no, you're right, you're right, it's stupid. Because it's got to be somebody. It has to be someone not recognizable. The mountain, at least in body type. <laughs> it is tough. I I just don't know enough about like um. You know I are, are I there hate many to... huge guys in AAA that fit that bill. Guys, Garza? I hate to say it. You know who'd be perfect. Mm. Um, a recent tough enough cast off. Mata. 
I I think Mata would work really really well in that role. He's intimidating. Yeah, he, he, he dude's a jacked big guy, mm-hmm. and I I think you know I I grant I don't know what his wrestling skills are like at this point or will be when Lucha gets go- finished up again, but if he could even do a little bit, he'd be really fun as Matanza. He'd Tug be boat. really fun. No, Tugboat. Not Tugboat. <laughs> but I also, I, I'm dead serious. I wouldn't mind seeing it be a midget wrestler. I would love it to be a midget wrestler. I think that would be amazing. A vanilla Escarlata. <laughs> Reborn. Timpy <laughs> reborn is Matanza. <laughs> oh god! All right, um, Matt, who who do you want to see as Matanza? I, I don't I don't know. I mean, is, is there any is there like a giant guy in AAA right now, Ciro, that could that could be that huge guy? Uh, or did we did we use our only one when we came up with Mil Mortis? The, the other giant guys are Mil Mortis size. Yeah. Do we need someone who's bigger than Mill? I think so. I, I think you kind of need someone who at least looks more physically imposing than Mill. Higher or, than or less. Higher like, than Mountain from Game of Thrones. Oh, shit. Wow. There it is. He's a legend. Mountanza. <laughs> you know what? There is a guy. Oh, shoot. What's his name? He's on the indies. He's getting a little bit tied into Global Force. It's like something Kong or something like that. Some playoff on that. Dude is oh, yeah. huge. What's his name? Congo Kong. Congo Kong. Dude is very large. I don't know if he can wrestle, but <laughs> he gets paid to do it, so he must be okay. Yes, that, that, there's a good candidate for you. Not a lot of people have seen him. Great call you can put him under a mask. He's gigantic. Great call in a mask. Maybe you could pass for Mexican. I don't know. Bobby, um, Bobby did, Spanish, you channel, did you just channel Riz? Yes, I did. <laughs> Great Kali in a mask. That Matanza could bend his knees. <laughs> hey, you know what? If if Lucha Underground can make me cheer Ezekiel Jackson versus John Morrison, yeah, they might be able to make the Great Kali work. <laughs> hey, Matanza could be Ezekiel in a mask. Yeah. Just a full body suit and a mask. Elegante. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- I think he's dead. Yeah, I know. I think he's in dead. memoriam. We'll add him into the in memoriam section. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. So, I think it's time to wrap it up, guys. Um, Ciro, any final thoughts about Lucha Underground Season 1? Uh, it, it, it changed the world for wrestling, too, in my opinion. Like, the little, the little project that. No one really was talking about. I think could be a, a catalyst to a lot of changes in wrestling. Yep. Okay, Bobby. Revolutionary. I think it's it was revolutionary for what they did. Like they just like Sarah said, changed wrestling for the yeah. better. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Matt. Uh, an amazing product. Uh, groundbreaking. Now, can they get enough eyeballs onto it? That's the next challenge. Can they get themselves onto Netflix? Get season one on the Netflix. That I'm telling you, that is would be huge. Bigger than any network would be if they could get themselves onto Netflix. 
Hashtag Netflix needs lucha was the hashtag, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They've got the product. This is it, there's all sorts of crossover. Um, that it, it, there's all this accessibility for non wrestling fans to kind of attach themselves to it. Um, they just need to get people to sample it. So get the DVD out there. Get season one on Netflix. I don't care what you have to do. You've got to get people's eyeballs onto your product because you've got something. Absolutely, and and I'll like I know we've said for years that we need an alternative to WWE, and we and I forget who it was said it. I think it might have been LB, but he said that um, we don't know what the alternative is yet, but we will know it when we see it. And Lucha Underground is that alternative. Mm-hmm. It, it it takes enhanced storytelling, like most of television has now with. Your Breaking Bads, your Mad Men, your Arrows, your um, American Horror Story. Like, it takes aspects of all of that kind of stuff, lumps it into wrestling, produces the hell out of it, shoots the hell out of it, and it's such a well put together product with a vision, with a direction, and like you guys said, it's changed the wrestling world. It really has. And for the better, because I think it's forced everyone to step their game up. Because it shows that if you have a product in the can for months, you can still produce the hell out of it, edit it, and make it the best product on television wrestling-wise. And I don't think any of us will disagree with that. We know the midweek war, Lucha pretty much won the best show just about every week. There was never really a bad week of Lucha. And mm-hmm. it's because they had a vision for it, and they followed through. I think it speaks to long-term planning being better than fly by the seat of your pants. Mm-hmm. Have mm-hmm. a plan, follow that plan, follow your vision, and don't you know, go one way or the other just because of the way the wind is blowing that week. Stick to, stick to your guns. Stick to your vision. And that's what Lucha did. And like you said, I hope... It changes professional wrestling for the better, um, but we'll see. Maybe we'll come back and have this conversation in a few years and reminisce about how this one season of Lucha Underground was so special to us, and nothing ever came of it. Oh, don't say that, Matt. Don't they did say not that. become heroes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, for Antonio Garza, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at DW Revolution for Twitter, and you can find me at DWrestlingRevolution.com, where I'm actually starting to rewatch Lucha Underground from episode one and trying to find those little details and, and things that I missed on the first uh, show. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Bobby, where can people find you on the internet? At BobbyFJTown and on insertcointobegin.com and Boss Battle live on SorgatronMedia.com. Live at 8 o'clock. Join on, us then. On Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights, yes. Yes. And uh, Mainstream, Matt, where can the people find you on the interwebs? Find me on Twitter, at Mainstream Matt with one T. Um, and while I'm kind of in a lull right now with uh, my blog, go read Ciro's uh, rejourneying through Season 1 of Lucha Underground, because it is, <laughs> it is an awesome read. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, and I am Mad Mike 4883 on the Twitters. 
Uh, you can also find me doing the Tough Enough and Total Divas wrap-ups with one Jen Carlins. Next week we got the finale and we just found out that Cesaro is going to be wrestling ZZ and Josh. And Alicia Fox is going to be wrestling Sarah and Amanda. So that makes it a ten times more interesting show than I thought it was going to be. And also, uh, we will be here tomorrow night for the Midweek War. And also, this weekend, I will be trying my best to periscope some things from NXT TakeOver in Brooklyn. So, uh, for all the guys, I'm Mad Mike, and uh, this has been your Lucha Underground Season 1 Wrap-Up. And, guys, I hate to tell you this, we're going to end in a ladder match! Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.